Hi guys, it's Aaron here from D&D Valiant Odyssey, just tuning in to let you guys know exactly where this story fits in with the greater narrative of the Odyssey. This story takes place a few days after Key's death, whilst he was a part of the Crown Killers, and it follows the story of his remaining friends on the material plane, Jaswi, Shavi, and Drew, as they continue their quest in Mediterri, the Sea of Thieves. At this stage, the Crown Killers are unaware that Key has found a new form of consciousness in the underworld and are therefore taking this loss extremely seriously. Sometimes situations call for a man can read. Hello and welcome to another episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. I'm here with the Crown Killers guys. We have Shavi, we have Drew, we have Jaswi, and we have somebody else who will be a surprise later on. But D&D Valiant Odyssey fans, it pays to listen because we've got our biggest fan playing with us right now. Yeah. Uh, so to introduce you guys and to make everybody re-familiar with your characters, we're going to go around the table and you're going to tell us your name, race, class. You can also tell them your level, and I want you to tell the audience one fashion choice that your character has made in their life that they absolutely regret. Uh, my name's Tom. Um, I play uh, Maddox Bjorn again. He's a level nine human barbarian, um, and his fashion choice that he regrets, um, probably not wearing stubby shorts. Not wearing stubby shorts. Yeah, I like he it. just yeah. wears regular trousers. Fantastic. Mm. And around the table, we're going to go straight to Kyle. Jusui. I play Jusui Undu, who is a high elf, multi-classed fighter rogue. We're calling the, uh, oh, I've completely forgotten what we're calling it. Phantom Gunslinger. That's what it is. We're calling the class the Phantom Gunslinger. Fashion choice. There was a bit in, uh, there was a bit of time in uh, Kalimvor where uh, ruffled neck frills were a thing. <laughs> Um, around certain countries, and uh, look, a few hundred years ago, just we might have got into some ruffled neck frills, and honestly, not his best time. But it did hide the hickeys. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't on his neck. <laughs> My opinion of Jesse has completely changed. Ah, shut up. Drew. No, I don't. <laughs> and next up, we have Drew. Hi, I'm Michael. I play Drew Ede, an ugly human druid. Uh, his fashion statement that he regrets was you know being a druid loves the forest animals growing up uh for he was a bit more learned he accidentally wore some poison ivy ah, i won't tell you where there you go itchy itchy and last but certainly not least the shortest member of the party both in real life and in game Oof! ouch shots fired doxed <laughs> <laughs> hello well matt i my name is matt i play shavi the level nine rogue assassin he regrets wearing shirts ever now because he wants to show his tattoos. Sick tats. Sick yeah. tattoos. Okay. Sick. Mm -hmm. And I am Aaron. I am your dungeon master of D&D Valiant Odyssey. And we'd like to welcome you here to the game today. All right. So. Now, although time was lost for Key and Felix, sometime shortly after their demise, this next story takes place. The Crown Killers had become quite the name in Kalimvor. Their ragtag misfit bunch had traveled all the way from Cadmia, dodging the arcane eyes of Delnak the Outcast, having disagreed with him on a personal level. The party escaped Cadmia and trekked towards the west. Their sole purpose to find a magical device capable of shielding them from his view. Once they arrived here, they also had a mission to fulfill on behalf of Arden Cassian. They were to find Jesui's allies in the clouds, the Almiran elves who had left this plane long ago and chose to reside amongst the clouds. Apart from the squabbles of man, however, Arden was desperate, and Jaswi likes money. So to Mediterri they went, to the Sea of Thieves, where the party encountered many pirate lords and a den of villainy. 
city streets that they would eventually like to call their home. Xavi having a proclivity for freeing slaves found this a ripe opportunity to follow through with this goal. After defeating Shark Denver, a prominent slaver in the area, the Crown Killers took their sights onto Avery Morgan himself. Avery Morgan called himself the Crown Corsair and he commanded everything within the bay. It seemed he had even struck up a bargain with the demon turtle, Demos Tortuga. So with bravery in their heart, the party marched on his fortress. And with a show of sheer strength and intelligence, they challenged him in front of his own men for everything that he owned. The battle was swift. Magic, blade, and pistol were thrown throughout the area. But victory came to the Crown Killers, but not without a cost. The Crown Killers now sit days after this event, having mourned the loss of their companion, Key. It is here where this adventuring party's story begins. It's been a day or so since that event. The pirate lords have dispersed and the city of Mediterri has started to whisper. Whisper of new leadership. Whisper of the crown killers. However, before any business needs to be attended to by the three surviving members, there was one thing left that Drew needed to do. The day after the battle with Avery Morgan, the Crown Corsair, the Crown Killers victorious in their battle, but at what cost? We look out onto the shore of Mediterri. On the brink of dust, a crimson sun begins to set over the horizon and we see a small gathering. Some of the pirate lords and their crew, some of the townspeople, and in the centre on the shoreline is a ragtag bunch of misfits who are now the pirate lords of their own stronghold. For a place that's normally noisy with the sounds of arguing and fighting and all manner of shenanigans, it's eerily quiet. All that can be heard is the sound of waves rolling on the shore. Shavi, Jeswi, Andrew stand on the shore's edge, feet in the sand next to a small sailing boat. The boat is packed with straw and wood and in the middle, on a bed covered by a sheet, is the body of their fellow crown killer and friend Key. Shavi places some of Key's belongings onto his body and whispers goodbye, old friend and together all three of them push the boat into the ocean as it sails away. Jeswi takes out his crossbow and with perfect precision lights the end of an arrow and fires it into the sunset, laying on the ship and igniting the hole in flames. Key gets the Viking funeral he always dreamed of. <clears throat> Drew places one hand on each of Jeswi and Shavi's shoulders, looks to his left at Shavi, then to his right at Jeswi with tears rolling down his face and says, There are big ships and there are small ships. But the best kind of ship is friendship. I'm sorry I couldn't protect Key, but I promise I'll do everything I can to make sure nothing ever happens to you two. You and Key are my family, and he'll never be forgotten. And we say a final goodbye to the fierce feline warrior known as Key. As you all do so, the three of you standing upon the shores, you watch as Shavi moves forward. Boys, I don't know about you, but why do I feel like a lock that's just thrown away our key? And with that, Jaswee turns his back on the other two and walks down the street, shaking his head in disgust. (laughs) As he goes, the two of you left look towards the west and up on the cliffside, you can see what looks like a darkened figure. You can see him wearing a cloak. Watching the ship burn in the bay, he turns towards you. You recognize his face, Shavi. This is the man that he met on the rooftop, Tabaxi Individual. The black panther-like creature. You think you remember Key talking and saying that his name was Milo. As he looks towards you, you watch as he blinks out in a shadow. And then you hear her and he blinks next to you. He looks at you and he says, Do you remember me? Yeah, aren't you that Nesquik guy? I'm Milo. (laughs) (laughs) He says, When he was alive, if you recall, he made an agreement. My brother Felix was killed by Delnak the Outcast. He swore to help me. Obviously, that oath dies with him. But I have a feeling that you and your group have more to do with that bastard. So, if you need any help, he tosses you a sending stone. I have the other one. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be in contact. We do have a lot of unfinished business with Delnak. You'll no doubt probably hear 
be a word of what's coming anyway. But we'll be sure to contact you. Well, it's not hard to track you. You make some very loud looks up at Meditary. You can see there are some buildings still smoking. There is raucous behavior through some of the streets as well. And he says, you're going to have your hands full. And you watch as he disappears again. Just so as you make your way to the street off the sands, you see leaning up against one of the buildings, Sally. You can see her mousy brown hair across a thinning face, her pale white skin, scars across her face that seem to have healed over. Piercing green eyes, skinny frame. As she's leaning there, you watch as she tips a hat towards you, looks and says, didn't think you guys were so sentimental. Ah, well, these things, they are... They always tend to bring out the mushy side in people's. I'm sick of joining that. Back to business. You still want me to travel back to Cadmia? Well, there is a lot of gold to be collected for us in our Cadmia. Our mission complete. And uh, I think we've uh, got some plans in the mix. So, uh, yes. I believe. So, just to get my head around this, you watch as she like flips a notebook and she gets a pen out and you can see her ticking things off as she says them. She says, you want me to... Collect money from some guy called Arden Cassian. Yes. She ticks it. You want me to check in on a half-orc by the name of Dragon from the Unseen? We, oui. But he is a little bit sketchy, so we be very careful around him. You watch it. She takes a note. Sketchy. Got it. Does a big full stop. And then she says, anything else? How versed are you in the ways of the underground? I am a slave. Or was a slave. But I know how to keep my head down. Do you know thievery? Do you know cunning? Do you know linguistics? I mean, as much as anyone. When you meet this dragon, he is part of a a clan called the Unseen. Have you heard of it? Never heard of it. We need you to get as much information about this uh, Unseen clan as you can. Be circumspect. Use guile. Uh, be very, very sneaky, as Shavi would say. But the more information you can get us about this unseen clan, and especially its leader, Delnak, the outcast, stay away from him. Do not get close. Keep your distance. Listen, learn, come back and tell us. Sounds like a great plan, but I'm a pretty tough girl. I can look after myself. I have no doubt, and this is why we have asked you to go. Am I going solo? Hell no. We are, you'll be leaving in the next day, but uh, we'll be sending a crew with you. That was a quick promotion. Very quick. Captain Sally. Don't like the sound of that. Too much responsibility. I kind of like to do what I like, but going back to a serious moment, I just want to thank you. And them. And you look down and see Drew and Shavi. I don't know where I'd be if you guys didn't, you know, and she like punches you in the arm. Honestly, best gold we ever spent. She turns and walks away. As she turns the corner, she looks over her shoulder at you, though. Moves past. Just side note, no, I'm not going to have sex with Sally. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, mm. I was like, what? All right. Get, get it, girl. That was a respectful glance, not a seductive one. <laughs> okay, okay. The sun's setting on another day. A friend wished goodbye. Some plans set in motion. You then call those loyal to you. Monfrey, Rodessa, the crew of the Crimson Wing... And even Sally, before she leaves, you ask them to gather the pirate lords who not 48 hours before were cheering your names after a powerful display of killing their leader, the Crown Corsair. You watch now as you stand atop the fort, looking down upon the courtyard where the battle took place. The embers of the fire still fresh. You can see that the crowd is definitely thinner than it was the night before. Some perhaps have sconded, some may not have Heard the call or respected it, but those that sit there listen intently. About 10 individuals that you can see hold leadership positions amongst their crews, various slaves, bandits, pirates behind them. As the three of you stand atop this tower, your brother Monfrey and Rodessa beside you, Jisui, what would you like to do? All right, so we're standing, like the three of us are standing there with Rodessa and Monfrey. Um, we've already had a chat to Rodessa about taking over the uh, the banking role with uh, her crew because obviously we trust those girls. Um, ah, well, that's my friends. Shall we uh, 
strike fear into the hearts of these uh, scallywags and rapscallions. Let's do it. Let me put my scary face on. And so we're on a tower and they're all in the courtyard. All right, so this is grand as fuck. So, um, so he stands up to the... Uh, how, how many people are in the crowd, do you reckon? You said there was like 10 pirate yeah, captains. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say total there's probably about 60. 60, 60. Mm. All right. How far is the drop down from the tower? 35 feet. I'd probably hurt myself, wouldn't I? Superior landing? I mean, do you want to scale down a previously prepared grappling hook? Yes. Okay. That's exactly what I want to do. All right. So you watch as Jusui looks at his allies, looks at his brother and his sister-in-law. He leans down, picks up a rope that you look and track back, a grappling hook attached to a set of barrels. Barrels? You leap over the side. Do the barrels come from <laughs> <laughs> Very cool, very cool. You watch, as, yeah. you watch as one of the barrels does shift, but you watch then as Drew just holds out a hand and hold, holds it there. You swirl and flourish down this rope, landing, three-point landing at the feet of these individuals looking at you. And I get up, looking very menacingly at everybody, and I said, I really wanted to do this face-to-face with a lot of you. As you are no doubt aware, we are in charge. Are there any that do not understand this statement of fact? It just seems to be a dwarvish captain, and he says, As long as you have that ugly green man up there, Ain't no power like that that I've seen. I'm smarter enough to not cross people's like yous. My friend, see, everybody, this man, he has the right of it. I have the intellects. He points to his head. He's the smarterest. An absolute scholar and professor of his age. I can even read. Very, very educated, my friends. Do you not understand? What this man is saying, you are swearing fealty to the crowned killers? Absolutely. Excellent. My friend, what do I call you? I'm Gail Harrison. Well met, Gail. Or shall we say, Captain Harrison? Well, over the sound of that, do I get a jacket? I'm sure we can find you a very fine jacket, my friend. Do I get a hat with a feather? Two feathers. The one like your brother's wearing? Not quite that grand. I'll still take it. Excellent. And I (laughs) extend my hand. He moves a grubby paw up to you. And as he grasps your hand, you can see he is missing his two middle fingers. He's literally got a thumb, an index, and a pinky. That's all you need for a pistol. Either way. And I uh, shake his hand and I go, Captain Harrison, if if you would like to follow me on this, uh, the rest of this outing. And uh, he falls in beside me. The rest of you, would you like to swear fealty? Now. Before you do so, as none of you are quite as intelligent as our Captain Harrison here beside me, you must know that we have plans. We are raising an army. And all of you here, not just those that uh, believe that you have something better than others standing beside you, that you are somehow more elevated because you are able to pay gold for their services indefinitely. This is something that will stop if you believe that you have a slave I'm telling you right now you do not have a slave anymore the crown killers have an arm that is what we are doing there is a darkness in this world my friends and whilst most of us have professions that uh, require darkness from time to time this is pure evil none of you will survive its coming you can run you can stay away you can abscond you can live in your beds Safe and sound for how many years? Two, three, a decade? It does not matter. This darkness will come if nothing is to stop it. So I ask you now, do you swear fealty to the crown killers? Everything that you have will go towards the cause. You can keep your loot. Some of, there will be taxes. Demos is still out there. But you will not be getting rich like fat cats. You will be working. We have a plan. And we have a goal. Now I ask again, do you swear fealty? You watch as half of them hold up a fist and say, "Ah!" and you watch as heavy footsteps are heard from the back of the crowd, something heavy on stone. And as the crowd begins to part, you can see hunched over, but definitely a massive figure begins making their way through the crowd. As they come into the sunlight, they fully extend. You can see horns, a bull-like snout. You can see him just sort of stand up. Zamorak. Well met, Zamorak. You're asking me 
to put my crew on the line for your cause, and we'll have nothing in our pockets to show for it. I never said you would have nothing in your pockets. I said that there would be taxes, and for the most part, piracy, looting, general thievery, and pork choppery shall continue. But those taxes will remain, but they will not be spent going into Shark Denver's pockets for more slaves. They will be spent arming and training and preparing for war. What are you going to do about the turtle in the bay? That, my friend, is well in hand. Well in hand, and he chuckles. He watches his crew behind him. As he chuckles, and I understand he's chuckling, as he chuckles, how far away is he? He's closed five feet on you now. Oh, sick. So I quick draw, and I've got a pe- I've got a pistol straight underneath his chin. You watch as he groans, being like, mm-hmm. "Now, friend, I see that you've met the bang stick. Have you seen what these can do to an un- unarmed head?" He whispers. You know what I think? I don't really care. I think you're nothing without your powerful friend up on the tower. Ah, but my friend, he is powerful. And he is on the tower. Where is your powerful friend on the tower? Because all I see right now is a scared little potty calf that doesn't like change. All I see right now is someone who's going to end up on the bottom of my shoe. Two. To hit? Yeah. Plus? Uh, It's like nine, so it'll be like... Oh, no, it's ten now. So, yeah, it'll be a twelve. Okay. So you go to fire, but I'll say that you do a warning shot, like, right by the side of his ear. As you do that, he looks and he says, pat you on the shoulder. Remember my name. Just we. And he hoofs it back. And as he's leaving, I sort of turn around and go, I've already forgotten his name. What was it again? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Zamorak. Yeah. All right. So with that, you watch as most of the pirates around the Bay of Mediterri seem to be on board with the new regime. Percentage wise, what are we talking? All but one crew. So Zamorak's crew is the only one? Sweet. So yeah. we put a bounty out on Zamorak and his he's crew? He's not with us, he's against us? Um, at the moment, he seems to... He hasn't outwardly... But he has. ...objected. <clears throat> but he has. Okay. So, like, publicly as well. So mm-hmm. massive bounty out on his crew. Like, da- Yeah, Deimos messes anyone that doesn't wear the colours, right, of the flags. That could be something... Zamorak, you either with us and you wear the colours, or you sail without them. And try okay. your luck with demos. So I'll say, I'll say you eventually make your way back up to your trusted individuals, Jusui, and you mention that this Minotaur has fallen out of line, to which Drew says... If he's not 100% with us, he doesn't deserve to wear the colours on his flag and he can try his luck with demos. Agreed. You look at Monfrey and he says, Well, I know, brother, that you tasked me with finding all the mages that are in the underbellies of Metatiri to join them to our cause, but perhaps before I do this, I could make a little nighttime venture down to his boat and uh, snip the colors. I think uh, this would be agreeable. By the time he is out in the bay, it will be too late, and Demos will have his way. That should stave off the tyrant for some time. I think it is a uh, good plan. And you, I liked you, Monfrey. Hey, I like you too, boy. And you watch as he goes and he kisses both of your cheeks. We are all part of the one crown killer band now, so let's get you to it. He taps you on the shoulder and with the back of his hand, he caresses. (laughs) (laughs) He watches Rodessa, takes him by the the sleeve and she's just like, come on. And pulls him away. We cut now to one month later. The city of Mediterri under new leadership those pirate lords seeming to fall in line, the treasure coming in strong. However, nobody's seen Zamorak for almost three weeks. Oh, sorry. And nobody's, ask- <laughs> <laughs> and nobody's asking any questions. A demonstration of power, it seems, has not gone unnoticed. In the bay, you hear the waves lapping up against a rocky cliff face. Atop that cliff face, you see a man. You can see a smattering of trees that used to be strong and tall, now stumps in the ground. And by one of the few that remain, you see an axe moving toward it, stroke after stroke, sweat beating off of this man's face. Tom, would you like to describe your character to us, please? Woo! 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 Yeah! 
avoided my whole life. <laughs> um, so Mardox is a regular height, regular build kind of a guy. He has a um, like a dirty blonde mullet and uh, like a chopper mo. Uh, if you could kind of like picture James Hetfield from the nineties, he's got that same sort of look. <laughs> he's got um, uh, like leather wristbands around his hands. Um, stops the carpet tunnel. And uh, yeah, he's got a he's got a big axe. That's a big axe for chopping. Very good. You've lived a simple life for some time. You enjoy your ale, sometimes a little bit too much. And after taking monetary jobs up and down the coast, you've found some form of a settled life here in Mediterranean. Still poor, still squalid, but you earn everything that you do off the sweat off your own back. These new guys in charge seem okay. They seem to leave you alone. The leader of their band reminds you of someone you hate, but you can look past it. They don't seem to bother you. As you begin chopping this tree down, you watch as you feel rain begin to patter on your forehead. You hold your hand out. You look towards the horizon. You can see rolling black clouds, lightning beginning to crash on the horizon. And it's approaching fast. Roll a perception check for me. So with a total of 16, you stop mid-axe strike. You do that thing that real men do when they throw the axe down into a nearby stump and it sticks perfectly. Your muscles rippling. You walk out to the edge of this cliff face. And as you look towards the ocean, there's something different about it. You can see the waves that usually crash up upon the cliff face where you have built a small 5x5 log hut that you live in. You can see those waves just a surge coming towards you and it's closing fast. You watch as the rain begins to patter down harder on your head and you watch as your dirty blonde mullet just begins to fall flat on your forehead, obscuring some of your vision, but that tidal wave comes closer and closer. You watch then as piercing through that wave, you can see what looks like a mountain coming towards you, a rocky hard surface just protruding through the wave. You look closer, you can see a massive morge birth out of this tidal wave. You can see this is a dragon turtle. You move back, you grab your axe, you hold it tight. You watch as lightning strikes right next to you. You watch then as this turtle begins to crash towards the cliff that you're standing on. It is about 100 feet away from you right now. You watch then as it slams into the side of the rocks. You watch then as the rocks that are upon your footing begin to crumble. I need you to roll a dexterity save for me with advantage. Uh, So that's a 18 plus three. So with a 21, you are able to maintain your footing as you do so. You watch as the rocks begin to tumble. You can hear them crashing along with the sounds of lightning. You watch as Demos is just thrashing underneath where you've built your hut and you watch as the cliff face comes tumbling downwards. You ride the slide and as you do so, you watch as the hut that you had spent every moment of your life here in Mediterranean building crumbles and falls into the sea. You watch as the washing waves move over you over the cliff face that you had built a house upon and just washes everything away. You grab your belongings, you open your eyes under the water and you can see this devil turtle, this huge monstrous beast swimming around through the wreckage below. Hatred burns within you, a hatred that you need to solve. At that moment, you swim yourself to the shore. You get up on the sand, brush your cotton shirt off, Flick your mullet over your shoulder, shoulder your axe, and your eyes are set upon a large towering stone wooden structure where you know this absolute bastard of a leader of this new city, Mediterranean, stands. And you're going to give him a piece of your mind. You begin to make your way through to the sleeping chambers of Druid. Drew, what does your room look like as you've set it up in this new chamber in the Crown Killer's I think it would have uh, dimly lit, but lots of animal pelts and rugs and that kind of thing. Almost even some, uh, like those vines, plant-like structures growing on the walls. Uh, almost a zoo, as if you picture a zoo. Lots, lots, lots of animals. You've got little, little foxes and uh, you know, little mice and bandicoots and things like that running around. Uh, Caught in the corners. Big... I would say circular bed that almost looks like a giant sort of uh, another animal pelt across that. Okay. And you watch as well as some of the animals that seem to not obey your command, but live 
by your side begin to bring dirt from outside into the floor of your room and you can see some beavers just beginning to sort of pat it down as the new floor of your estate. As this happens, you're resting. Your eyes drift into sleep for the night. You begin to dream a storm on the horizon, the sound of waves crashing. It feels real, but you know that you're also in a minding loose sort of state. You see yellow eyes under the water just flat. You see a toothy more open you watch as you are swallowed completely. You awaken, and as you do, you can see the sweat coming off of your face. There's something dark growing in that bay. Nature is not in balance. Tortuga awaits. You know that today is a very special day. There's been talk around the Crown Court. Uh, sorry. Mm. <laughs> There's been talk around the Crown Killer Fort about two of their most beloved members. Celebrating some nuptials that they were never able to. Monfrey and Rodessa. You know for a fact that these two have been together for some time. But due to the Crown Corsairs regime, were unable to celebrate. So you've taken it upon yourselves to do so today. As you make your way out into the fort proper, you can see the courtyard that you had once been in, fighting for your lives and fighting for this keep. has been transformed. Flowers adorn with rows and rows of seats. Sitting and waiting guests and visitors. He watches the pirate lords come and address in their finest gear. And we're talking over the top wigs, over the top shoes and coats and gowns. It's a fine day. It seems the storm of the night before had passed. Just uh, as a side note, Captain Harrison is sitting there in a very resplendent baby shit brown jacket that he picked out himself. It has... It does have some studded spikes on the shoulders. Very with, metal. With some lace coming out of the, the ends. Um, his hat is a, is a, uh, a tricorn, tricorn and it has three feathers. <laughs> All right. Um, he has attempted to like straighten up his beard and stuff, but there's still like a little bit of pie and some dirt. And, but he's attempted with Shiptar to tame it a little bit. So, um, and, and the dirt's gone off his face. He's actually had a bit of a wash with some water. So he's actually looking very nice. I just wanted to give a, you know, shout out to Captain Harrison. As you approach him as well, just we, as you are at the standing point of this uh, coming nuptial, being the best man, you make your way to him and you can see he's wearing a very horrible neck ruffle from Kalimvor's history. You straighten it. As you do, and you watch as he gets his index finger and pinky, he licks them both and straightens his eyebrows. <laughs> my man. My man. And it's easy for him because he's missing his two fingers in the middle. But as he does, he looks at you and he says, How do, how do I look? Resplendent, my friend. You I've never are... been to a wedding. Well, it shall be a good day, and you certainly look the part. The, uh, the neck ruffle. Uh, in the future... I'd probably leave that one out. You watch as he flicks a blade that comes from in between his wrists and he just cuts it off and throws it into the sea. And he's just like, oh, that's better, right? Much better, my friend. Okay. Neck ruffles went out of style 120 years ago. Best they left back then. You know a lot about neck ruffles, Mr. Jusui. Ah, regrettably, Captain Harrison. Regrettably. To that point, you watch as your two famous allies begin making their way into the nuptials. What are you two wearing? And Jusui, what are you wearing? I've got a little tux on. <laughs> Absolutely. My, One of those little ones that's a shirt, but it's draw, like uh, printed as a tux. Mm-hmm. Not a real tux. Perfect. Excellent. Yeah. My finest bear <laughs> pelt. Very good. And Jusui? Uh, all right. Uh, more of a uh, dinner jacket than a tux. Uh, lace shirt. Oh, sorry. Uh, fucking linen shirt. Undone pirate style. No tie. Um shirt tucked in with a cummerbund and uh you know some some nice slacks and very shiny boots okay you know bit of uh bit of silver accentate uh, accentations accents ah whatever like piping down the down the jacket and uh you know hair like it always is all right just wait can i just say you are looking le beautiful today ah uh, thank you my friend i uh i really enjoy your shirt you watch as you talk to Shavi. The figure of Annie Moss makes her way through the crowd 
you can see she puts her hand on Shavi's shoulder, leans down and kisses him on the cheek, and she says, you look nice today, sweetheart. In public. <laughs> as do you, my, my sweet. You watch as she just straightens your hair a little bit and goes and takes a seat. You also watch as the guests begin to roll in, they start to put very large and illustrious gifts on a pewter table that seems to be sitting off to the side. Much to your pleasure, you see walking in and up the cobblestone path, the figure of Sally. You! You can see she's looking a little bit thinner, but she seems to be in good health. As she's walking up, she has a gift as well. She puts it on the table. She looks towards all of you. She gives you the finger salute, and she makes her way into the castle proper. You can see that the gift she's given seems to be a square box. You can see that it's got this filigreed gold wrapping paper through it as well. It's at that point you watch as Monfrey makes his way out. Goes and stands next to Jusui. And he is shaking. Ah, brother. The nerves, they are kicking in, no? Oh, what if she does not come, Jusui? What if she does not come? Well, then we we take a flag off her and we send her to the de- devil dog turtle. <laughs> it is uh, pretty cut and dry in my aspects, my friend. Guess if she's not with us, she's against us, am I right? No. <laughs> oh, please, oh, I hope. Hold back yet. <laughs> <laughs> the standing out the front of the wedding at the start is the most awkward thing you ever do. 100% it is. Straight yeah. up. Wee wee. Yeah. You watch then as he stands there, obviously nervous, and the violins begin to play. A swelling movement of music fills the air, almost choral-like as it does so. Drew, you summon some white pluming birds to make their way over. You watch as you change the amount of moisture in the sky to appear a rainbow going across one of the most beautiful arbors of flowers that you've ever seen. Shavi, Drew, and Jasui, you stand as the bridal party. You watch as Rodessa in a beautiful white dress begins to make her way through the aisle. As she does so, she makes her way to Monfrey. You can see he's starting to cry. And so at that point as well, Mardox burning with rage everything that you've worked for gone answers you need them now you have heard the people that have taken over this town talk about liberating it talk about setting everyone free from the peril of Demos Tortuga for paying the tithe for making sure that that thing does not burden our lives any longer all these thoughts fill your brain as you trudge up the mountaintop the crown killers above in their fort. You hear music and it's annoying as you begin to make your way up. You hear the birds beginning to tweet and you're wondering why the fuck are they so happy? Is it still raining? No. But I'm still wet. You're still wet from the ocean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's at that point you watch as you make your way up and around the bend, you can see palm trees almost obscuring a very beautiful ceremony that seems to be taking place. And then you lock eyes with the three individuals you know are in charge. What do you do? So he busts in and like, I guess the first thing he, he's like, is there, is there like catering around? Oh, absolutely. Right. So he goes and grabs like a beer off the, off the catering table. He's like very aggressively like, oi. <laughs> and he's just like, well, 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 three holes in the ground. What a beautiful little setup you got here. Do you <laughs> not understand that something is going on? There's like water dripping off his face and like his squelchy boots. Which one of these in charge? Can we all like point to each other <laughs> Spider-Man style? Yeah. Like. <laughs> you watch as all three of the individuals seem to be pointing to another individual, not giving you any indication of who's in charge. But you watch then as Monfrey holds up her hand to you and he says, uh, excuse me, good sir. We will accommodate your question later on. I am trying to. Marcus is just like, sorry, just like gives him that sort of like sideways look like, uh, I need to know which one of you guys will take my query. Uh, we all point to the dwarf. <laughs> yeah, we all point to Captain Harrison. No, oh. I, I, turn to, I turn to him and go, uh, Captain Harrison, I think uh, this man could use uh, a man of your intellect and uh, education to help him out on his... Uh... Sometimes situations call for a man that can read. And you watch as he straightens his jacket and he begins to make his way out. As he does, you can see that, how tall are you? Um, Six months. foot. Okay, so he, he is absolutely way shorter than you. He gets up and he's probably at about your belt height and he gets his stubby little index finger and as he does so, he points it at your belt buckle and he says, 
Now, excuse me. You are interrupting a very solemn occasion. And, and he looks back towards Jisui. Who's just given the thumbs, <laughs> up. Yeah, the thumbs up and the, and the fatherly nod like, yeah, man, you, you're doing a great job. And, and <clears throat> inspired with confidence. And if you don't leave, this bloody turtle that you drongos are supposed to be keeping at bay has just knocked down me bloody house. Uh, well, that, that is. And if it doesn't get rectified pronto, we're going to get really, really upset. My friend, my friend, my friend, Captain Harrison, you are. You just, my friend, can we talk about this in, say, 15 minutes? Now, before you get my angry. My house yes, is I swimming understand. in the bottom of the bay. How much you be You know who else is in the bottom of the bay? The bloody turtle. <laughs> you are correct, my friend. Turtles tend to stay at the bottom of bays. How much beer do you think you can drink in 15 minutes? I can wait 15 minutes. If you go inside... <laughs> my friend, if you go inside very quietly and calmly with Captain Harrison... Uh, I prefer not to. It's all the same to you. Okay. I'll without... take the little man. I'm good. Thank you, mate. I'm, I really want Come on, buddy. Oh, fuck. There are kegs inside. You may avail yourself until we are ready to uh, allay all of your concerns. All of them shall be, uh, how you say, copacetic. Okay. Oi. <laughs> <laughs> Trying out your best Elvish, you give him a solid oi. It's at that point you watch as the dwarven individual, Captain Harrison, escorts uh, Mardok into the fort, gruffly going the whole way. Does he uh, not see what's going on here? What a barbarian. What an <laughs> absolute ogre of a man. <laughs> How outrageous. <laughs> I do say. You should do that accent for a character. <laughs> that was good. Um, so at that, you watch as the ceremony continues. Expressions of love are given from your brother, who you didn't know was that sentimental, and Odessa, who always puts on quite a solid front. It's a happy day. One that you probably collectively haven't experienced. Really needed. And needed, yes. The music swells once more, and they begin to dance as ceremoniously tradition dictates. The pirate lords gather and begin to feed. The banquet of various different animals, root vegetables, and frothing wine and ale begin to regale everybody. It's at that point, Mardox, you've been waiting well longer than 15 minutes. How many beers do you reckon? Well, let's roll a uh, constitution saving throw. <laughs> 13. With your con save? Uh, 3, so 16. Okay, so you have had probably at least 21 <laughs> steins of ale in this time. You're holding it together quite well. You're you're at the slurry hiccup sort of stage. Anything that you begin telling or saying to Captain Harrison, he's just like politely nodding and looking at the door. But as that happens, outside you can hear the music beginning to swell and you can also see that Monfrey and Rodessa begin to go towards the gift table to open up their presents. Well, uh, my friends, uh, who is, uh, how you say, drawing the short sword to talk to our... Uh, Fine individual availing himself of our beer. I'm more than happy to go and have a chat to him. Whereas, you know, you could in, in, enjoy the ceremony with your brother. Uh, and if he gives us any grief, I could always turn him into a chicken. Maybe you could just t turn him into a chicken and we can deal <laughs> with him tomorrow. Nice. No, it, it, he, sounded, he sounded pretty mad and I heard him, I heard something about the uh, Demos, so it could be pressing. All right, my friend. Uh... I will not argue with you talking to the man. <laughs> As I uh, take another flute of champagne, sorry, sparkling wine, and, uh, oh, no, wait. Can we have a champagne region in Mediteri where we get our wine from? Absolutely. Excellent. I'll take a flute of champagne. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Did you want to give me some backup, Xavi, just for muscle? Puffs his chest out and he's, I'm ready. And, uh, and boys, uh, Try and give Captain Harrison some encouragement. The poor man has been with him all day. And with that, I walk away with my flute of champagne going, Hey, hey my friend, hey, my friend, hey, baguette, hey, cheesy puff. Mm. <laughs> it's at that point as well, as you begin to leave, uh, Annie goes to you, Shavi, and says, When you come back, we're dancing. I'm going to sweep you off your feet. Maybe I'll sweep you off yours. Have at it. <laughs> she goes and makes her way past 
just swing and grabs a flute of champagne as well. You can see at this point, uh, Rudessa and Monfrey are sitting side by side and people are handing them the presents and they're opening them in front of people to a polite applause and a, uh, a ceremonious thank you that seems very re- rehearsed. All right. So going into the fort to address the raging barbarian, you see Drew in his best pelt, Shavi in his little tuxedo boy. You make your way through the wooden doors, and as you do, you can see sitting in that lobby, what would you be doing at this point? Well, as he's like trying to regale um, Captain Harrison in like a, a really shitty story, like a really boring one about mundane wood chopping or farming. So he's like, yeah, so, you know, the, the oak, the thing about oak. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess as the door opens and he sort of sees his, um, uh, these two yes. coming in, these puts a, like a one finger up to Captain Harrison's face and then just like necks the rest of his beer. So let's make it 22 standard drinks now. As soon as you two enter, Shavi and Drew, Captain Harrison gives you the most pleading eyes you've ever seen. You can see his dark, beady eyes and this beard that seems to be well tarred just looks towards you, hoping that you're going to say you can go. He just looks between you. Thank well, you, Captain. Captain. No. <laughs> it was nice to meet you, Mr. Bjornigan. Ah. Yeah, catch you, mate. Yeah, you watch as he turns around. <laughs> yeah, catch you, mate. Have a good one, eh? Yeah. He turns around to you two that have entered, and you watch as he does the gesture where he points towards his temple and twirls it around like he's fucking crazy. He begins to make his way out of the door. He shuts them on the way. We could, I guess we uh, walk up and... Uh, Mar- Mardox, was it? Yeah, but... Mate, what happened to your face? <laughs> were, were, were you in some kind of industrial accident? It's hard looking this good. It's hard looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> We're here to talk about why I'm so good looking, or did you have a quarry? Oh, I've got a quarry, mate. So there I was. If you can imagine it, chopping. Chopping trees. It's what I do. And uh, all of a sudden, this uh, turtle comes out of nowhere, destroys everything. And I'd heard whispers that someone was going to be paying said turtle to not knock down houses on the edge of cliffs near the bay. Now, which one of you is going to fix this? And he sort of like he- hefts his axe like his, it is on his shoulder because it has it by his side now, like a subtle threat. A subtle threat? Woo-hoo. Woo, 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 good man. Woo. We're just here to talk. We I have hope a you're plan. here to pay. Ooh. We have a plan in action for said turtle. How's that going for you? Apparently not good. <laughs> for me, pretty good. For you, not so much. It's not going great, mate. No. no? Oh. Demos has been something that's been on your mind and it's been a growing threat over this past month. And you have heard tales of sailors going out and some of them not returning to havoc-like storms. But there has also been whispers that Demos isn't respecting mm. the colours anymore. Okay. Um, well, then, yeah, bring it up. And uh, like... Uh, dr- you would say that I had a, a nightmare the other night, a vision, if you will, of, yeah, Demos not respecting the current alliance that we have. We've been giving him a tithe so that he does stay away from, from everyone and not destroy their ships. And it sounds like he's not respecting that at the moment. So uh, if he's destroyed your home, then you have my deepest apologies. It sounds like you almost might have a grudge against Demos. Would that be correct? A, a grudge? I'm, I'm pretty angry. How would you feel about uh, doing something about it? And perhaps in return, we Look, can... Look, mate, the, the tax on a log of oak is about 34%. Uh, log of oak. So how many logs do you reckon i got to cut down? Enough to build a house. Right. Still having dramas, mate. Like, when are you going to fix that? I think we'd be more than happy to help out with that. But we do have this problem with Demos. What say that we could use your chopping, axe cutting, strong burly services and in return we'll gift you another house, a bigger house. So you watch as there is a moment of tense thoughtfulness in the situation. Shavi always on the edge of potentially drawing the blades. Drew swift eye contact towards Mardox. So Mardox is just like holding the stair, sort of thinking, and um, he's like, chopping, you say? I can chop. Excellent. Shavi sort of looks at Drew with 
small amount of concern in his eyes. Like this is the first he's heard of Deimos sort of rebelling and doing as he pleases now. And this is probably the first we've heard of it. So sort of just looking at Drew like maybe this is something we really do need to check into. But yes, we can use a nice chopper <laughs> at our services. The one thing we're lacking is chopping. You still owe me though. Yeah, we have uh, plenty, uh, plenty of rooms here at the castle. What if we give you uh, accommodation for the time being and in return we can call upon you for your services while we build you another house? I have a lot of possessions. I'll need a big room. <laughs> <laughs> we can offer you a big room, then we'll offer you a big house. As you look at him as well, Shavi and Drew, he has the clothes on his back and an axe by his side. <laughs> there seems to be a jug on his belt as well. There is no backpack. There is nothing. We'll be sure to swim down and get all your stuff soon. All right. At that, we cut back to Jesui. Your brother and his new wife have been opening gifts for quite some time. And you watch as they pick up this white square boxed gift. There seems to be gold filigree wrapping paper all around it. You remember this to be the one that Sally dropped on the table. It's at that point as well, where you watch as Rodessa, laughing with Monfrey, opens the lid of the box and she just... (gasps) She looks back looks towards Monfrey and she's just like, ah, she pushes the box off and you watch as something solid and round bounces off, hits the ground and begins to roll into the crowd. It rolls as you're having a conversation with one of the pirate captains and it hits you on the heel and it lulls back so the face is looking towards you. As you look towards this face, you can see that it has grey skin, tusks from the mouth, you can see that it is a half-hawk individual and you recognise this face to be dragons. That's it for this week's episode of D&D Valiant Odyssey. This episode featured Kyle as Jasui, Michael as Drew, Maddie as Shavi, Tom as Mardox, and me, Aaron, as your Dungeon Master. Once again, guys, thank you so much. We appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week to D&D Valiant Odyssey We're excited for you to hear this very next arc of the Crown Killer's story. Now, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, please make sure that you are connecting with us on all our social medias. You can find all of them in the show notes below. We are active on Instagram and on Twitter, and we have recently re-fired up our Discord. So make sure you come and join us on there for some fun conversations and some community events. Next week's episode, we'll be catching up right where we left off with the crown killers guys and that one is going to be releasing on the 16th of may so check that on your calendars and we'll see you then and remember be valiant